I can't. Like, there's a reason they dub her. I can't. No. Yeah, I can't. I loved it though. <laughs> Joan. 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 Anyway. <laughs> Hello, welcome to Cinema Very Gay, the podcast where we talk about the full spectrum of LGBTQIA movies. The good, the bad, the offensive, the duet for two sopranos from Delibes Lacme. Mm. I'm your host, Kevin, with, as always, my co-host Jake, and this week we are talking about The Hunger. And this week we are talking about Catherine Deneuve for Dracula. <laughs> okay, welcome back to Cinema Very Gay. This week we are going to be talking about The Hunger. It's the beginning of... We're technically re- we're releasing this in September, but as we have mentioned before, gay Halloween is basically all of fall. <laughs> yeah, like we we started celebrating Halloween this month. We've been planning for it for three months. Are you you're more of a Halloween person than I am? Um, well, I say that I am, but I haven't I haven't put a ton of effort into a costume. Well, that's not true. You made that whole midsummer costume. I, I, okay, that's fair, but. I did intend to wear that the year Midsummer came out, but then the pandemic the happened, pandemic right? hit, and then we didn't get invited to parties the next year, and mm-hmm. then I wore it the next year. People still are talking about that movie. I think it counts. I think it's still culturally relevant. I just hot glued a lot of flowers onto a white dress. It looked great. I made the little headdress. Yeah, I do like Halloween. I'm not, and I love I love scary movies. Mm-hmm. I love spooky movies. Ooh. This one gets really cookie crazy. I am. I think I'm lazier than you. Uh, Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I tend to throw together a costume pretty much the day up, but then I get a lot of compliments on it. You always win. (laughs) That's so annoying. Yeah, like last year I went to a 30 Rock party and you had to be a 30 Rock character, and I just borrowed a jacket from you. You kept it. And I actually donated it because you said you didn't want it. I didn't want it, no. Um, a jacket that was too big for me and I already had the glasses and the haircut. So I was just like, yeah, I'm Liz's agent, Simon. And I won a bunch of prizes that oh, night. Oh my God. Or like when I, a couple years ago, this was before the pandemic, I had a mustache and I was like, I have a green sweater. I'm Ned Flanders. So many compliments that. <laughs> <laughs> and one, one year didn't, didn't you do, um, boy George? No, that wasn't me. I was a po- I was a Pokemon. That made too much effort. Yeah, I was a Pokemon one year, and I, w- I w- it was a group costume, and I said Doug I would. Trio. No, I think I think I was Squirtle maybe, but I I said I would do the group costume if they bought the costume for me, and then I just took it and wore it that night. <laughs> so I that's fantastic. So Halloween's fun. I like to, I, I like to celebrate. I you just, like to win. It's it's pretty easy. <laughs> <laughs> And already, well, I already have my costume for this year because my brother, as a birthday present, got me the hot dog fingers oh, that's from so fantastic. Uh, everything everywhere all at once. So I'm just going to put those on. So fantastic. I mean, in theory, it'd be good if I also got like a bob. Like a yeah, wig but you don't, you don't but, need it. But I'm yeah. going to be too lazy. All you're going to do is just go around all night and like 
tickle people with them. Yeah, I'm just going to slowly run my hands, like the back of my hands across mm-hmm. their face. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to, and if there's a piano, if I end up at any place with a piano, I'm totally trying to play with my feet. <laughs> yes. Or didn't she also like try to carry a suitcase with her foot? Yeah, so I'm just going to be trying to use, I will try to use my feet all night, which would be very annoying, but I'll think it's very Everyone will hate you. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, but scary movie season, there's there's a lot of gay shit in horror movies. Yeah, we're not going to be able to get to that much, but we'll definitely have enough. If this podcast goes 100 seasons, we would never not find a movie to talk about. Yes. Halloween Town (laughs) 1, Halloween Town 2, Halloween Town 3. Was there that more was, than that? I think that was all of the okay. Halloween towns. Yeah. <laughs> Good try, though. I wouldn't be surprised if Disney Plus is like going to drop. If they're sitting, they're sitting on that. Yeah. Well, let's let's get into The Hunger. So The Hunger from 1983, mm-hmm. directed by Tony Scott. Who directed other things, maybe? Yes. Okay. Do I know them? Y- yes. What did he direct? Like, action-y things, which is kind of... Oh, weird they did this. Interesting. He did um, True Romance after this. He did Domino. He did Man on Fire. I haven't uh, seen any of these movies. Spy Game, Enemy of the State. Nope. Um, the Last Boy Scout. That's a movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he directed Top Gun. I also have not seen Top Gun. He it directed... Was, wow. This was his... The, Hunger was his first movie. Okay. And then he... Followed it up with Top Gun. Interesting. And then he did the music video for Kenny Loggins' Danger Zone. Ah, I have seen that. <laughs> which makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> wow. What a yeah. What a what a one eighty. I mean, very strange. I guess this movie is stylized in a way that I could see where someone could direct an action movie after it, but sure. the subject matter is just so different. He has sixteen projects in development on IMDb. Which oh boy. Is a lot of Insane. ideas. A lot of ideas. Anyway, let's let's talk about his first movie. Okay. Do you have a summary for me? I do have a summary for you. And uh, there's a line that's in brackets. Don't read that. That's my cue. Okay. You just read past it. Okay. Okay. Would you want to live forever if you were an addict? Maybe. If I could play with Susan Sarandon's beautiful bosoms every night. I mean, come on. Catherine Deneuve, get out of my way. She spills that cranberry juice on her erect nipples and I'm ready to sink my own fangs into her luscious elbows. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. The movie. It's The Hunger, directed by Tony Scott. Yes, that Tony Scott. Wait, did not. <laughs> the movie stars... That was good. What is that, what is that song? It's the um, duet for two sopranos. Yeah, that was... Lachman. That was beautiful. Um, It'll come up again. Uh, the movie stars David Bowie as John. Uh... A vampire cellist lover who was turned by an ancient vamp, Miriam, played by Catherine Deneuve. Mm. Catherine Deneuve. Mm. Uh, they've been together for centuries, but now her spell is wearing off, and he's becoming a gross old man. Ew. <laughs> Don't worry. Old monkey scientist. Not old monkey scientist. That that joke works better on paper. Than I, 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 I see that now. But. Uh, Sarah, played by Susan Sarandon, is there to help. Just kidding. Spoiler alert. She's there to be Miriam's next thrall. And boy, do they make sweet, sweet love. In the end, it turns out eternal life isn't that great after all. Mm. Who'd have thunk? Who'd have thunk? So the first time that I... 
that I actually saw any part of this movie was uh, some YouTube rabbit hole that I went down at some point. It was like most overused songs in movies. And that was one oh, of the most used songs yeah. in the movie. And I specifically remember them playing that scene and just being like shocked. It was like, oh, dang, this, this is intense. Yeah, it shows up in a lot of movies. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but you're definitely right. I don't know, but uh, anyway, yeah, yeah I, that 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 is the song that's playing when they have their steamy encounter. Yeah, I love that scene. We can we can get into that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. this is a vampire movie, mm-hmm. although it plays pretty fast and loose with vampire mythology, and they don't even say vampire at any point in the movie. They really don't, because there's also like. I honestly, now that you say that, if I hadn't read or like come into it thinking that they're vampires, there's no immediate hints that they are because they go in sunlight. Mm-hmm. They don't have fangs. They don't have fangs. They do have reflections in, in the opening scene, which is really cool. It's just like that mm-hmm. opening collection of shots. Like we see them kill a person. We don't see them like suck blood. It's not like Dracula. Yeah. And these are knifed slash their throat yeah so it's it's very it's very interesting so it's it is vampiric because they're drinking blood for eternal life but mm-hmm. yeah you're right yeah actually let's talk about that opening scene i love that oh, opening scene. so cool it is uh set to it's bauhaus is performing it's there's bella lugosi's dead which is a great song i love that song mm-hmm. um and it's them performing but then it starts cutting in john played by David Bowie and Miriam played by Catherine Deneuve. Mm-hmm. Uh, it starts cutting in them uh, pray, like praying on people mm-hmm. in a club and then bringing them back home. But then as sort of the Bauhaus stuff bleeds out in the editing, mm-hmm. they start bleeding in the monkey stuff with Susan Sarandon. So it, like, it's a cool melding of the opening credits and like an intro scene and like the, actual beginning of the movie mm-hmm. and i love the editing i think it does a really good job setting up the aesthetic of the movie because like them yeah. stalking on that uh stalking those that couple in a club and it's very sort of industrial and this movie is yeah. very famous for being a um staple in the goth subculture and i can totally see that it's a yeah. very goth movie yeah there's there's a lot of cool like i got very cruising vibes from that opening scene where it's like mm-hmm. definitely going down into a dark leathery club Mm -hmm. seeking a victim. Yeah. It's like very seedy, but there's something really cool and sleek about it Mm -hmm. in in a different way than cruising. I also was getting a lot of like Wachowskis from this. Oh yeah. Like I I mean, they definitely love this movie. They definitely love this movie. Like I was seeing, um, a lot of like matrixy looks, especially Catherine Deneuve, like opening up, like she is like in a trench coat and sunglasses. She's dressed like Trinity. Yes. Trinity is dressed like her. Oh, the outfits in this movie are so good, too. They're pretty good. I want to smoke a cigarette through a black veil. You can do that. Yeah. Yeah. So the plot of the movie is basically Miriam has promised John that he's going to live forever, mm-hmm. but he starts aging. And it's not totally clear to me if John knew he was going to start aging or not. I think he didn't. No, I think he he definitely did not. Okay. Yeah. Because he, because his response to starting to age is like to go seek like medical help. Yeah, but he does ask fairly early in the movie, like how fast did it happen with the other ones? But I'm not sure if that was supposed to be him. This movie's pretty am- ambiguous, and I think it benefits from not e- explaining too much. Like, there's basically mm-hmm. 
no exposition in this movie. Yeah. And so, but that kind of that kind of works. No, I think like it, I think it works really it. well. I it's think it cool. would be a lot worse if they explained some of the stuff in the movie I because think, it would be, yeah, too on the nose. Honestly, like the first, it, it loses a lot without the second half of the movie. But the first half of the movie, up through like all of David Bowie's story mm-hmm. before he's locked away, like that's a really good just like short film. Mm-hmm. Like if there if the the mystery if you treat it as kind of like a a twist ending, that's that's pretty good. Yes. Like so, that. yeah. So David Bowie. So John. It's not totally clear to me that he knew this was going to mm-hmm. happen, or if he intuited it. It doesn't really super matter. Mm-hmm. But so, why do you think that he starts aging? Well, I think she can bestow eternal life, but she can't bestow eternal youth. Okay. So there's like she as the vampire. Which I this like it sort of falls apart when you try to think about like the vampire mythology behind it, like how this works. Yeah. But but again, it doesn't try she, to explain it. So, like you can no, you can I don't you can work around it. I don't think the movie that. cares that it. much. No, there's like she's been around since like ancient Egypt. They sort of hint at like it's yeah. been a very long time. Which like is Catherine Deneuve playing an Egyptian? I was wondering that. I had never thought about that before. But there's a flashback to her in ancient Egypt. I don't know. There's a generous interpretation of that, which is she's supposed to be Egyptian, which, uh oh, or that's the ungenerous interpretation. Yeah, yeah. The generous interpretation would be that like her first lover was Egyptian, and mm-hmm. that's why she has the Ankh knife, mm-hmm. and that's why that's her symbol. Yeah. Again, the movie it, the movie is very smart about not super explaining itself because that's one instance where like if they explained that and you she was like yes I am. I'm an ancient Egyptian. Joan, Joan, I am Egyptian. Joan. There's a, this is also, I think, like one of the only times I've ever heard Catherine Neuve actually speak. I can't. There's a reason they dub her. I can't. I I can't. I loved it though. <laughs> Joan. 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 Anyway, <laughs> she looks the same. Yeah. But she, when she like takes on a thrall or a lover, whatever it is, mm-hmm. like bites someone, they live forever. Mm-hmm. But at some point, even if they like keep feeding like she does, yeah. they start to age and decay really and, rapidly. And that's terrifying because they get <laughs> they get put in coffins basically uh, alive but too decrepit to move I, for eternity. That is, that is again, like, that is a chilling end to a movie. Yes. If he just was, like, it ends with him, like, feeble and, like, but still alive but can't defend himself and she just puts him in a box and nails it shut and then we you, like, look next to it and there's, like, sounds coming from all of these other coffins that are just stacked next to him. Yes. Like, she's been doing this for centuries. So I think that is a, again, this movie's very like, open to interpretation. I think that's a good interpretation. I have a, I have one that I kind of like too for what is happening. Mm. I think that obviously you can't say that Miriam doesn't care about John, but I want, but I think you could make an argument that John starts aging because she loses interest in him. Mm. So there's a, there's a scene, the scene where we see David Bowie's flat butt. <laughs> it's like old white man, butt. old white man, but. 
he they're showering and he is saying forever like mm-hmm. he's gonna live forever that's mm-hmm. what miriam promised him and miriam seems a little abstracted and i don't know if you're supposed to interpret that as her being being like well i lied to him or if mm. because it, this doesn't totally line up with the timeline but she he starts aging right after that and i sort of think you can interpret that scene as her being like oh i'm already thinking about someone else and then there's like he starts aging and then she immediately starts looking at looking for uh, she becomes attracted to sarah yeah susan because they had already they'd seen her on tv yeah so i think there's an argument you can make that interesting the eternal life thing only lasts as long as she is into the person before if her mind starts wandering she starts thinking about oh i want to take another lover Mm -hmm. then it breaks whatever spell is uh keeping that person i I like i like that because there's 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 also a hint of that with like them playing she plays the piano and he's playing the cello and they have their neighbor alice this little kid who's really good at violin like come Mm -hmm. play and they're doing a little trio and she just kind of has this look on her face while they're playing. It's just like, we're doing this again. Like there's mm-hmm. monotony. Yeah. She's looking this, for a, which I, I think it's like an interesting, like there's always that question of like with eternal life, what are you going to do? And this one's like, maybe she just like is tired of it. So she needs to, she goes through them, like through these people in her life. Yeah. Oh, I like that. But at the same time, and I, th- I think oh, this is a but- cool- a third interpretation. No, well, I would like to retattle the retittle of her rebuttal. Not, ne- but just a, a sort of a counter, not necessarily a counterpoint, but, and I think this is very purposeful. Susan Sarandon in this movie does not not look like David Bowie. It's true. They've got a similar haircut. They have. They're both very like strong bone structure. Big eyes. Big eyes. Mm-hmm. They have a similar haircut. Susan Susan Sarandon is super androgynous in this mm-hmm. movie. She looks great. Uh, she's so fucking hot yeah she Jeez. but i i feel like the movie did that on purpose with the casting to be like she, she has a type this is what she's into she's into these kind because david bowie's very androgynous mm-hmm. too and so she is clearly into this androgynous type and i think there's that line where david bowie is wondering if he's she's going to um pick alice as her next lover the kid mm-hmm. and alice also super androgynous did not yeah i think the first time i saw this movie until a couple scenes into alice i think i thought she was a boy mm-hmm. um I, and i think that that is the purposeful. point is like miriam is not labeling her lovers or she that like that's appealing to her yeah which is an interesting take on vampire stories because i think a lot of vampire stories there's like a not trope but it's like vampires as lesbians and just like the succubus and like mm-hmm. that the sexual part of that but vampire as bisexual who like over centuries has you get maybe this the read is then that she's like tried it all and she's found that that happy medium that really does it for her and that's her type yeah it's it's like she's not attracted to she's not attracted to a specific gender she's just attracted to a look Uh uh-huh and so whatever gender that look comes in she's into because it's also definitely not that she's just attracted to the person like their personality because John and Sarah are very different. Yes. Like, they are not alike. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she just likes their look. I kind of I like that. I don't like that interpretation. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Especially because also in at the end, when 
she is losing her power. I guess Miriam. We, Miriam. Yes. Yeah. We talk about the ending. You see all of the other corpses mm-hmm. or all the other bodies. And there's some that are very clearly like women and some that are yeah. men. Like maybe she's been accumulating different tastes for a long time. Yeah. It's cool. This is, that, that's fun. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so take it back to one of the things that appealed most about this movie for me, which was just like the sleekness and the look. I loved every time Catherine Deneuve was on screen, just like how cool she looked. It was like very noirish. There, uh, there's a lot of play with shadow, and there's like a lot of shots of her moving in and out of mm-hmm. out of shadows, and she's always like wearing black, but she's very pale. It was giving some like Terry Gilliam Brazil kind of feel, but also some like Blade Runner. So it was like that industrial, I don't know. There's something about just like the chaos of some of the sets in the world that he built, Mm -hmm. like the contrast between the decrepit mansion and then like you cut to outside or you cut to monkeys killing each other or... I don't know. There's something kind of wacky about that. That, yeah. Oh, actually, we're talking about the Wachowskis. This reminded me. The color palette reminded me of Bound a lot. It's black, white. Mm-hmm. It's it's more of like icy gray, but still, it's like black, white, and red. Pops of red. pops of red. Very really similar bright to Bound. red. So yeah. there's, we have no evidence for this, but there's just no way that the Wachowskis aren't huge fans of this movie. That yeah, there's no way that they didn't see this and say, oh, we should do Bound. And also The Matrix. And also The Matrix. Okay, and we are back. Uh, Still talking about The Hunger. Really love the look of the movie, but want to talk about the queer side of it, which I guess famously for this movie is particularly that scene between Catherine Deneuve and Susan Sarandon. But Mm -hmm. really, the relationship between... Miriam and Sarah. Um, yeah, so this movie really is pretty evenly split between a part one and part two. Mm-hmm. About it's pretty much I, I pressed pause while I was watching it, and David Bowie gets put in the coffin about halfway through the movie, oh, almost exactly. And then the and it's an interesting sort of love triangle story because normally the other the the third wouldn't be dispatched at halfway through the <laughs> right. movie, but. David Bowie is, except for the very, very end, not in the rest of the movie. And mm-hmm. the back half is about uh, Sarah and Miriam yeah. coming together and how it's sort of uh, adding this element of addiction that wasn't necessarily there in the first mm-hmm. half. Um, mm-hmm. So we can talk about that. Yeah. Also, yes, it is a love triangle because Susan Sarandon and David Bowie had an affair while they were making the movie. <gasps> yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, she said it in um, an interview. I think when she was in Celluloid Closet because they talked about this oh. movie in Celluloid Closet. I don't there remember. Was, there that. was an interview with Susan Sarandon talking about it. Cool. Yeah, um, they, that's interesting. Given that we were just talking about how they look the same in this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's it's true. So maybe they have a type. Each themselves. Themselves. Yeah. The mirror. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it was actually, she, Susan Sarandon said this in the celluloid closet that she was the one that asked for the seduction scene to be there, according to her, 
Which, which their seduction? seduction, but like their sex scene, but their their encounter. Oh, okay. That it was gonna be sort of just like cut away. Like it just what am I trying to say? It was going to be like very objectifying of the two of them, and instead it became more about like seduction and the slow build, and it was very erotic and sensual. Um but she had an interesting point, Susan did, uh, where she said that like the women weren't taken very seriously in seduction um, or affection in movies and that it was seen as like if there were women interacting with each other and there was any sort of romantic like notes to mm-hmm. that interaction that it was either like a show for men so something to be gazed at mm-hmm. or it's treated as just like a phase mm-hmm. but she insisted in the script that they like have a true like romantic encounter, mm-hmm. which was like really beautiful. Yeah. It's a Although great it did. Scene. I, I love that scene. Mm-hmm. It, I do think it's pretty campy because it, it, the, the way it happens is that Miriam gives her some sherry and Susan, Sarah is wearing this white t-shirt, which is like really showing off all her curves and she spills the sherry on her boob and so she starts wiping it with water and it becomes transparent and then that song starts it, it cues up are you making a pass at me mrs Bullock? miriam miriam not that i'm aware of sarah Yes. So like it's basically like the like, ooh, I spilled something on my shirt. Mm. Oh no. But then like dead serious like classical music cue. I I thought that was great. I loved it. I loved but, that. but it was like it's it's a little campy. It's I mean, yeah, but then we said this we said a similar thing about like bound and their seduction and the oh, first it's, time they it's meet. super it's, hot but it's great i i do i do get the camp because then there's like the, that, there's bounce like the billowing. Too. that's why we love it it's, it's campy that's, and hot that's true but it's it's like the billowing fabric and then like yeah. the slow panning down their bodies and like overhead shots of them laying on the bed mm-hmm. it's really beautiful yeah it's not i mean it's still kind of male gazy, but it's not the most male gazy thing because they're usually shot through a scrim or it's just a part of their body that's not necessarily just like a boob shot. That's true. I don't. I just, I don't get too much male gaze from it though because I feel like there is enough like sensuality and like mutual affection between the two of them that it's not just. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, like, I, I bought it. So the seduction happens. Sarah starts turning into a vampire. Mm-hmm. She has a boyfriend who is like a kind of, um, yeah, a kind of an odd character. <laughs> yeah, he is not much of an obstacle for them. No. Um, and then yeah. the movie sort of switches to a very, I don't want to say on the nose, but it clearly becomes, her turning into a vampire clearly becomes an addiction allegory. Mm-hmm. Even... Um, she starts she she shows the bite and it looks Just like, like it looks like a mark. track mark. Yeah. She starts getting kind of wan, like she's mm-hmm. um a little strung out. And having like a withdrawal. Withdrawal. In the um there Willem Dafoe is in this movie. Willem Dafoe for two seconds and he he's 
he he's with this other guy who's a punk and they comment that Sarah looks like a strung out junkie. He's car- he's uh, credited as second phone booth youth. Yes, first phone booth youth comments that Sarah looks like a junkie. And the addiction thing, it's not like a huge going concern with me in this movie, I guess. I don't think so. I think it's an interesting read on it. Just like the question, would you live forever if you were yes, an addict? I guess there, it, it is an interesting take, I think, on the vampire story. Yeah. Right. Which makes it, I don't know. I, I feel like if you if you spend too much time reading into it and you put too much stock in it as like an addiction story, yeah. you sort of lose everything. It just, it, things sort of crumble for me. Yeah. Well, I guess, let me talk you through, I, I, I think this is my third time seeing this movie. Mm-hmm. And I've never watched it with a I'm watching this as a queer movie mindset. Mm-hmm. I'm usually the first two times I'm just like I love the cinematography in this movie. I love mm-hmm. the atmosphere. I love the music. I it just it it's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, the costumes, the makeup, every, everything yeah. like the production and it, it, it is just a, a and it's a good vampire story. And that's kind of how I read it. And so the the addiction thing didn't. It was kind of neither here nor there because I'm like, yeah, that's an interesting idea that um, vampirism is like addiction and mm-hmm. this idea that eternal life is like this, you know, dragon you're chasing <laughs> the, right. or, or whatever. And I guess I don't think this, again, you can interpret this movie in so many ways. When you think about it as a queer movie, I think it is both, like we said, there's like a a good interpretation of it, like a generous interpretation. Mm-hmm. And there's also like, I was thinking about it. I was like, well, this movie's about a bisexual vampire, like a literal bisexual vampire who just sort of burns her way through lovers. And Mm -hmm. uh, then it's supposed to be like this addiction story. And I, I, I guess if you're trying to make, and I don't think you need to do this. If you're trying to make a grand statement about like the queer politics of this movie, I think you're going to probably be a little like, it's kind of it's kind of making bisexual people great. look it, it's like not a great look for bisexual people if you're thinking about it in that way mm-hmm. but i could also see bisexual people just loving this movie yeah i i do i see what you mean that depends on the ones that you're coming into it you're gonna take away different things from it i don't think for me the lens of seeing this as like addiction allegory adds too much I think I prefer to think of it as just like a cool queer vampire story. Yeah, and I, that's how, I prefer to just sort of take it at face value. And I think this is where the it being ambiguous thing comes into play. Again, if it would like explain yeah. more, we might be like tied down to an interpretation. But I think there's so many ways to look at this movie that if you're looking to say that it's about Catherine Deneuve playing an Egyptian woman who's also like a bisexual vampire because bisexuals are evil. You can say that about this movie and it being and pretty it's much gonna correct. Hold up. Yeah. Um, but if you are just thinking about it, like this movie looks really cool and mm-hmm. it's sexy Stylish. and it's showing like yeah. that you can even say like bisexual people are like sexy and stuff like that mm-hmm. and they can be and cool and you know don't you want to be a like aesthetically you're just like I want to be in this movie even if yeah. you're even if you're like this is terrifying to be androgynous and hot like. yes. David Bowie and Susan Sarandon. Yeah, so the the visual elements are just unambiguously very cool. (laughs) I agree. That said, I think 
that is also where it starts to fall down for me and why I, I did like watching this movie. I didn't love it as much as I wanted to. And reading is this some, the first time you've seen the whole thing? This is the first time I've seen it. Ah. Yeah. I'd only ever seen the the Leslie Dream. The mm-hmm. Leslie I said Leslie Dream because of but Black Swan. <laughs> did you have a Leslie Wet Dream about That's me? Right. Um But some and then reading some reviews about it, I, I think there because there are so many takes and it's so ambiguous that it kind of loses plot and it's there's it's difficult to like grasp onto something and i think coming into it i came into it like thinking it first and foremost as like a vampire mm-hmm. horror movie mm-hmm. queer or not and in that case like it's really cool but compared to other vampire stories it's not very plot driven mm-hmm. to the point where in the second act it does feel like it starts to drag and because i was to me and because i was mm-hmm. like thinking about the vampire lore and like how is this working and was getting caught up in like why does she have to cut a throat instead of just drinking blood and like mm-hmm. why did it come from her elbow this one time mm. um it by the time i got to the end and the climax i was sort of i was sort of taken out okay of what was going on it's like in sitting with it and thinking about it and reading more interpretations on it i get it i do want to watch it again mm-hmm. but I think the first time it was a little too ambiguous for me to really okay. latch on to the second half. That's fair. Yeah. I don't really, that's not really how I feel about the movie. Cause I'm actually pretty okay with it. Just looking the way it looks and kind mm-hmm. of just soaking in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I feel like the movie signals pretty early on that it's not interested in it's plot and yeah, i think on that level it works as it for first like as a movie that's saying that we're not interested in the mechanics or the lore of this we are interested in the seduction and the aesthetics i i think it works mm-hmm. and so i like that um it, i mean it we can talk about the ending like the the ending ending uh which, this, yeah the, i did have a problem with that so not in the original script. So yeah. how, how does the how does the movie end? So it ends after so the the climax is um there's like Susan Sarandon, so Sarah and Miriam are kissing each other. And then Tom I think this is right. Sarah cuts her own mm-hmm. throat. Oh, she stabs herself in the throat. Bleeds so out. she is bleeding from her mouth and forces some of her blood into Miriam's mouth. So Miriam ingests Sarah's blood. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, that's sort of like, this is, where, this is where I get a little bit lost in it. But like in doing so, Miriam somehow loses her bolt. She's starting to lose her powers mm-hmm. over her thralls or her lovers or whatever they are. And so it ends with like, she gets like pushed over a balcony. The, Yes. corpses of the only body, mummies of her lovers are like back alive seeking revenge and the only ending fitting for an evil bisexual is to be sexually harassed to death by her former lovers and the <laughs> trend alert not to spoil um miniseries but evil women falling down to their deaths very popular here we go very yeah. popular she doesn't fall down to her death though she falls down to her very rapid aging 
and then it ends then she gets locked in a box and it seems like if it just ended there that sarah broke the curse by killing herself and in doing so broke the curse for all of them because yes. all of the mummies start to dry up too yes so it's like ah everyone's finally at peace no that's not what the ending is in fact it cuts to sarah and like yeah. we actually don't know that Catherine Deneuve is even in the box until this ending ending. So it right. So she could have just died. I yeah. It seems it seems like she just dies. You're right. Part. You're right. You're right. You're right. But then cuts to actually Sarah is alive and she's with like two new lovers. Mm-hmm. Or we I guess I interpret this like two new lovers mm-hmm. and she looks great. Yeah. So it's like oh so maybe she's the next queen vampire. Mm-hmm. And Catherine Deneuve is in the box. Yes. And then it's like big question mark because it wasn't the whole point. Sarah's whole motivation was that she didn't want this life. Like mm-hmm. she found out that she was a vampire and was going to be stuck with she wanted her in a life. And she's like, no, we're ending this. Yeah. Like she was the, of all, the, you get the sense, like she is the lover that Miriam turned that she like fought back yeah. immediately. Yeah. And in the sense that but, any character has mm. an arc in this movie, it's Sarah because she is trying she's a doctor who works with children who have progenia Uh uh-huh uh which is a actual thing i looked this up it's like a rapid aging disease she's um on imdb they call her a gerontologist oh yeah um so her whole thing is she wants to find a way to make people live forever that's her her research which is why john John. when he started aging because she had like some book so she's like somewhat famous Yes. For her research. Um, so it would make more sense for her arc to be like, no, I wanted, I don't want to live forever, actually. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. no. So, yeah, it just, there was it, a studio, work. there was a studio mandate. That's really stupid. Yeah, the studio. That's disappointing. Allegedly, the studio, it was supposed to end with Catherine Deneuve, Miriam dying, mm-hmm. Sarah dying, but the studio wanted some potential sequel bait. Um, oh. so that's why they added the scene with Sarah at the end, even though it doesn't really make sense. It's weird that you say, cause you, you asked me this before, like what else was MGM doing this year or like, oh, yeah. the years around this? Like what, I don't know what they were thinking that in producing and releasing this movie that they thought it was going to get a sequel. There was going to get a sequel. <laughs> yeah. We, we looked that's this crazy. up before we started recording. MGM wasn't doing, they had a weird grab bag of movies that were coming out this year. Like, mm-hmm. what, was it board games? Yentl, Yentl. games. Year of Living Dangerously. So it seems like they didn't really have a vision for the studio at the time. Possibly. Yeah, I I wonder if there's more going on there, but I would have been much happier if they just wrapped up like Sarah broke the chain. Yeah, I wasn't even sure. I like that interpretation that by Sarah kissing her with and like bleeding into her mouth Mm -hmm. that she was giving, she was doing like a blood transfusion. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also just wasn't sure if when uh, Miriam fell, it was like it killed her and th- that's what caused the mm. rapid aging. That's interesting. Because like a fall from that height. We're, we're, oh, yeah. She's we're, like, we're she's never, like six stories. Yeah. We're, we're like never sure in the movie how you kill a vampire, actually. Mm-mm. So she seems to suggest Miriam suggests that it's not going to happen. And it's like not possible. Yeah. But then the vampires at the end, the, 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 the vampires at the end do die when Miriam seemingly dies, right? And it would it would make I don't know I I guess it's not that important to parse out what was happening at the end, especially since the 
added ending just confuses the whole issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not quite worth it. But if we go back to your earlier interpretation, though, of like the lover starts to rapidly age when Miriam is becoming disinterested Mm -hmm. and it's like this evil eternal queen like just disposing of her lovers like i'm tired of this one i want the next one but maybe this was the first lover sarah that got tired of her Ooh, and like she fought back she's like no i'm i'm not going to be a part of this like up until then catherine had been the one sorry miriam had been the one that was keeping everyone like enthralled which is like very vampiric i'm i'm gonna steal that interpretation because I don't think this movie is ever going to, it doesn't want to, nor do I think it ever could make sense on a purely logical level, mm-hmm. but from like, like a thematic level, mm-hmm. that totally works. Yeah. I like that. Great. Then that is we the correct solved, answer. We solved the movie. French shut the gate. Great. Um, yeah. I, 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 to be clear, I do think this movie is great. I do really want to rewatch it, especially having talked about it with you. Because what you said about like coming into it with a different lens would be very interesting. Because I came into it with like this is a this is a horror movie, this is a vampire movie lens. Um, it's like sleek, it's stylish, mm-hmm. it's kind of weird. There's some off the wall like violence or like strange editing that's hard to wrap your mind around what's happening, which is kind of dizzying and fun. But yeah, then it starts to fall apart at the end. But I want to I want to watch it with. The interpretation yeah. we just and just like and, and it sounds like you did, yeah let the let the just the production design wash over you no plot just vibes yeah just vibes honestly like uh we didn't really talk about the the special effects in this movie they're actually pretty they're pretty good they, they, mm. we, we talked about how the, there's a lot of shadow they use the shadow in a way that so when david bowie's aging i think they probably you know screen tested it and were like this doesn't look great because mm-hmm. you know aging makeup it always, it always looks kind of weird, mm-hmm. but the way they shoot it so that it's like backlit it, you see enough of it where you're like, he's definitely aging, but you can't see it. It's not like high key lighting. You, yeah. So it's very suggestive that he's aging, but he, that's you, a good you never see the full thing. And I really, and they carry that throughout the movie where it's, it's a lot of like very suggestive lighting mm-hmm. that I really liked. Um, also the, I don't, God, I hope, I hope no monkeys were hurt in the making of this movie. Because the that's pretty brutal. The the scene so Sarah is uh, doing experiments on monkeys, and there's this scene where a monkey's rapidly aging, and it looks really realistic. Like I, it looks like they hobbled a monkey. I think that was a puppet. Yeah, I think I it like, was too. Because there was a, again, there was a monkey special effects person in, listed in the credits. Okay, good. So I'm I'm pretty sure no animals were harmed in making. The, making this movie but it looks it looks realistic enough at some points that's true and they they do a cool thing with that too where they they don't show it like in the camera in the direct frame they show it through a tv screen Mm -hmm. so it's like your mind's filling in some blanks yeah you're removed you're one level removed from it yeah but it's it's really good filmmaking like enough where i was like so too i'm the the monkey dying scene i found extremely disturbing and it's upsetting yeah i i think this is it's interesting that you said it is now like cult classic for the goths for goths i can see that like at the time critics were opposed to it and i think it's got a pretty low like metacritic score oh yeah what about uh, what did roger ebert think of it 
Oh yeah, uh, Roger Ebert. Roger Ebert. He doesn't. He didn't like horror movies that much. No, from what I could tell. Roger Ebert thought this was agonizingly bad. Oh boy. And he thought that it was a bunch of schlock packed around one really good erotic sex scene. So he agrees that that scene is the triumph of the movie, but mm-hmm. he thinks everything else was was trash. Yeah, I love Roger Ebert. He and I don't agree on a lot of horror movies. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm glad this movie is, has like cult following, or that like there's there's enough people that have yeah that have seen is, it and know about it because I think it it deserves cult status. People this is uh, it. it's definitely a good movie to kick off the Halloween season. I I, like I agree. It. So go watch. I say yes. Great LGBTQIA plus movie. I think great vampire movie too. Great scary movie. Yeah, I think it's probably a great vampire movie before it's a great gay movie, but mm. I still think it's totally worth a watch. Um, I think. Like we said, don't go into it thinking you're going to get a conventional vampire movie. Go into yeah. it being like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to vibe. It's vibes. It's and it's uh, streaming on HBO, HBO Max right now. So go watch it. Yeah. Okay. That was The Hunger. Mm-hmm. Uh, Speaking of hunger, when's dinner coming? Am I right? Yes, we did just order food. Uh, so we're going to continue our mini-series, which is about gay, well, queer-coded gay Disney villains who aren't necessarily gay, but gay people love them. Yes. There's probably a more concise way to say that. But we're not going to spend time thinking of what that is. Yeah, though. next in line, we're not doing Fantasia. We're not doing... Stromboli, I guess, from Pinocchio. Would he be? He he probably. He's. You don't know. He's a bear. He's a bear. He's. He's a. He's a. Um, he's a daddy bear. He's a daddy bear. I, w- I was going to say something else, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're gonna we're going all the way to the 1950s now. We're skipping over the 40s. 20 years. And we're talking about Maleficent from Snow oh, White. Oh girl. Yeah. Girl. Girl. Oh girl. Oh, girl. What an entrance. Yeah. She's just like green fire and she does that really cool like yeah, folding is, in on herself. This is again another one like, of Oh those. my gosh. We talked about this with with Snow White. Again, if, we're not talking about this through a feminist lens because we can super problematic. Again. We'll put on those glasses a little bit later. But then she just sh- shows up and you're like like work yes it's like, like oh my gosh like, she's so fierce i love the outfit all oh, the red manicure look at that look <laughs> look at her staff oh it shoots lightning bolts work yeah oh, she's so <laughs> great I, okay so i so this is maleficent mm-hmm. evil queen in snow white was very much like i i was frustrated that like i found it ridiculous that she's just motivated by jealousy mm-hmm there is the motivation for Maleficent. If you if you want to like go high concept, is I didn't get invited to a party, mm-hmm. so I'm gonna fucking kill your daughter. Yeah, what? Mm-hmm. That's great. That is like Greek mythology right. level of pettiness. And like how fantastic! Because she's never like jealous about the way Snow White looks or anything like that. You're right about. You mean that. Aurora? Oh yeah, Aurora. No, she's not. Aurora's a baby. Yeah, she's like. And plus, she crashes the party. She's like, I'm here, but you didn't invite me. <laughs> I know what I'll do. Curse your baby. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so fantastic. Yeah. I love it. 
And she comes in again, like faces done. Mm-hmm. She's got that greenish gray tinge. She's got the horns. She's got the cape. Yeah. Oh my also, gosh. Just, uh, like Jeez. we're talking some empirical evidence. You mm-hmm. just look at, if you go like type in on Google drag queen Maleficent. Oh, huge reference point. Oh, for sure. They're just out in the world. The gays love her. Yeah. She, she's great. She just, she, even more than the queen, I think she's probably more fun. Cause I think her whole thing is she just likes being evil. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she literally like says something about like being the embodiment of evil. Yeah. And, like she's she proud says, of that. Like, Oh, fantastic. She says, you poor simple fools thinking you could defeat me. That's a great, the mistress of all oh. evil. Oh my gosh. That's so good. You know, she's wearing like some thigh high boots under that robe. Mm hmm. Oh, the royal purple lining. Oh, I love her color palette. Yeah. The purple, green, black. Very similar to the Queen's. Actually, it on, works for Maleficent more. On paper, this movie is very similar to Snow White. Well, yeah. But I it's never, not It's not taken from a Brothers Grimm tale, though. Like, it's its own separate thing. Yeah. But it is, it is very similar. But even down to the third act revolving around someone being asleep and yes uh, having to wake up from true love's kiss and prince has to fight well in snow white i guess prince didn't come save the day the dwarfs i guess really did that but but in this one's like oh the prince needs to come literally rescue the sleeping princess who is i mean if we're gonna should we put our feminist glasses on for a moment sure <clears throat> mm-hmm. oh i mean what trash I mean, Aurora slash Briar Rose is just straight up an object. Yes. She has no, she makes no decisions. Everyone is just doing things around her. And it's weird that it's called Sleeping Beauty and it's not called Florifana Merriweather. Yes. But, and we talked about this a little bit before we recorded. I don't have an issue with that really. And even from a feminist perspective, because Mm. this movie is completely driven by all the female characters. It's just Aurora is not one of them. So this movie is, the plot is completely driven by the fairies Mm -hmm. and by Maleficent. Mm -hmm. And everyone else is just a passive character. Like even, Mm -hmm. even Philip at the end, it was, it was weird because the fairies are like, you have to do this on your own. And then they help him with everything. Yeah. They literally (laughs) save the day. (laughs) Yeah. So even that, Oh no, no, we'll, we'll stab her for you. We got this. Like, Okay, I guess you're not doing too well. Like, like we'll just fucking guy, and we'll just imbue this sword like, with like zippity zappity zoo. Yeah. This sword's gonna stab you. Is that? What, I think that was the spell. I think that something was it. like that. But so, I think saying that it's a problem that Aurora is passive is sort of like a misreading of, and and, and the, the title is Sleeping Beauty, so it kind of signals to you that it's her yeah. story. But watching it, she's not. She's not in it that much. Mm-mm. She it, it's really about this po- the power play between the fairies and Maleficent. And I think that's great. I really like this movie actually. Yeah, I, I, I forgot how much I liked it. I I really liked this upon rewatching it. And I think that's a that's a good point. And I guess that's a not fair view that I came into it with is that like it's not about the story's about Sleeping Beauty, but she's not the main character yeah but i see where you're coming from in the sense that like i feel like growing up when we did mm -hmm. we were fed a lot of like lazy feminism about these movies where it's like "Eh, she's just an object and like it's not i am not a prize to be won yeah 
but you that's sort of not in the movie mm. or because they're not trying to do that yeah it's not like this movie is about like the patriarchy right <laughs> it's about a bunch of women fighting over the soul of another woman mm-hmm. yeah that's a cool take on it and then there's like the bumbling old men yeah like, the kings don't like do that. anything they do nothing they just get drunk I like that. I like that scene where the court jester gets. I did too. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> he was fun. He was he was oh, fabulous. Gay he, icon. Homo. Gay icon. Gay icon. Shout out to Tchaikovsky. That's huge huge homo. Uh, the music in this movie. I thought I thought they did a great job yeah. incorporating the music. Actually, yeah, it was really good. Sleeping Beauty. It LA. is. It is crazy. I know we didn't watch what happened in the twenty years in between these two, but like thinking of what when we talked about Snow White, they couldn't animate. Versus what they were capable of doing just 20 years mm-hmm. later. Like, just wildly different. Like, the art was, like, sleek. It had some really interesting, like, postmodern Yeah, like, the, see, like I like the boxy trees. I like that, too. It gave me, I, I wrote down the um, the studio, but it's the Cartoon Saloon mm-hmm. that did, like, Secret of Kells and mm-hmm. Wolf Walkers. Like, sort of saw where they might have taken some inspiration. Yeah, I can like, see that. There were some things looking back, I was like, oh, this looks actually pretty modern. Like, it looked really cool. Yeah, I thought the animation in this was beautiful. I've like, something that I liked about these old Disney movies a lot with Snow White and Sleeping Beauty is they get kind of weird and surreal sometimes too. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about the forest scene in Snow White. In this movie, I love the way they animated the way the fairy, the, the fairy's gifts where it became mm-hmm. like a, a galaxy that contained the abstractions of the gift. I thought that was cool. It's cool. I thought the her the whole part where she pricks her finger was really cool. That looked really cool. Um, like the, the disappearing wall. Mm-hmm. That's neat. Like following the glowing orb. Yeah. That's that's really cool. Yeah. I agree. I thought this was this was really fun to watch. Maleficent as a villain, like as a actual villain she's just story-wise she's just like pure id like she <laughs> she's just vibes yeah she's just Maleficent. vibes she's just she's all vibes she's evil vibes she's just evil vibes that's like what she's just straight she is just straight up no redeeming qualities like no. they don't even they don't try to give her any benefit of the doubt there's no explanation even the fairies like they're like oh she doesn't know love or kindness and she's just deeply unhappy. Like, all right. I like that line too. It's, all right. Like, great. One of the fairies is like, sometimes I think she's not very happy. <laughs> <laughs> no shit. Yeah. Have you seen her? Like all her little goblin creatures. Mm-hmm. They're like rats and gators and yeah. vermin. But it's a, it's a mood. She sometimes you, sometimes you want to just sit in your castle and be evil. Because the love world's it. terrible. For 16 years, her little bumbling troll troop oh, yeah. is like looking in every cradle in the kingdom mm-hmm. and she just starts cackling before she zaps them yeah, she's uh, like you were looking for a baby the like, whole time oh. her little pet crow is like oh my dear did you hear that yeah who did Maleficent's voice the, the voice the Eleanor oddly she also voiced Lady Tremaine from um Cinderella oh the yeah. stepmother she the voice acting in this yeah she's really good yeah um and I just have to, I have to bring up, so also portrayed by Angelina Jolie oh, and of course movie, yeah. the Maleficent movies, but I, I cannot get enough of this. So there's a, there's a wiki, it's called villains.fandom.com. And if you search for Maleficent, this is absolutely ridiculous. So they're just explaining, um, like the characters. So they talk about Eleanor Odley, 
He played Lady Tremaine um, and was in Haunted Mansion and other people that voiced her. And then there's this sentence. In the 2014 live action film and its 2019 sequel, she was portrayed by Angelina Jolie. Ready for this? Mm -hmm. Who also played Grendel's mother in the 2007 film adaptation of Beowulf. She did. Guess what the other two things that they're about to reference are. You won't be able to guess them. <laughs> Lola in DreamWorks Shark Tale. Okay. And Mrs. Nurse in The Cleveland Show. Interesting. Angelina Jolie of Shark Tale fame. Come on. Wait, what fandom.com. I think that was the, the Will Smith fish movie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait, they made a sequel to Maleficent? Yeah. Oh, I missed that. It's like Maleficent. Um, it's uh, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. Yeah. Catching Maleficent. Catching Maleficent. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, Maleficent is is yeah. fabulous. I remember... Uh, it's so much fun watching her. Yeah, I saw the Maleficent movie with Angelina Jolie. Mm-hmm. I don't super remember it, but I do remember thinking that the best scene in the movie was the scene at the... Um, the baptism or whatever the coronation coronation or no, 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 no. The, the, what is it what is that what is that party at the beginning where they're showing off Aurora huh I actually don't know but I, I guess they're just presenting her to the kingdom but I thought that was the, yeah I thought that was the best scene because it's just it's her it's her it's her debut yeah uh so I don't super remember loving Maleficent but this <laughs> but this movie kind of great yeah this was pretty fun and uh, you know what i like about these old disney movies too they're like an hour and 20 minutes this is this was like a tight hour 15 yeah it it moved at a nice pace and it didn't overstay its welcome yeah some some animated movies now they're too long Mm -hmm. looking at you in canto how long was that too long too long okay um also trend alert yeah um fat characters is comedy Mm-hmm. Meriwether, Drunk King. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Um, and princesses communing with nature. Oh, yeah, animal friends. Animal friends. Mm-hmm. We're going to see that a lot. Yeah. Well, I guess if we were to watch every Disney movie, we would see that a lot, but I don't know. Why is that a thing? Do you know? Well, I don't know about in these original Disney movies, but in later ones, it was to sell toys. <laughs> oh, no, that's fair. So, you know, you get to Disney Renaissance and it becomes mm-hmm. a brand and you need at least two non-human sidekicks so you can sell toys off of it. Oh, Even if it fair. makes no sense, like Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yep. Okay, that's fair. But this is another, like, she has, like, anim- powers of animal control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think in both of the, well, maybe not so much in Snow White, but sort of in Snow White... It gives them something to play off of when they're not, when they're like, it's basically like them talking to their themselves, sort of. Mm, Rare. So like Snow White, we or Sleeping Beauty, we need to know that she is um, dreaming of a prince and all this stuff. And it's kind of her personal inner monologue, but we need to project it out somehow. So, you know, give her some animal friends. Sure. That's real. Yeah. Same with Cinderella, I guess. Talking to the birds. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, I buy that. I still think Maleficent is the hero. I think she's just misunderstood. I think she's evil and she's fun. <laughs> yeah, and and I just love her. Yeah, I just think she's neat. I just think she's neat. <laughs> uh, this is fun. I this is going to be a good 
this is going to continue to be a good miniseries. Yeah. I like, okay. I feel like we didn't have a very deep conversation about Maleficent, but she's not a very deep character and that's kind of why no, she's like, fun. Her character description is in one sentence, just like she's the mistress of all evil. evil. Yeah, she's the mistress of evil. She's an evil bitch. She's got a staff. She teleports. She, she shoots lightning bolts. She turns into a fucking dragon. She gets shit done. She gets it done. Yeah. She's got her like forbidden mountain. Yeah. For forbidden oh. fortress. I'm like, oh come on. I like That's it. fierce. That whole speech she gives Philip too when he's in the dungeon. I oh, love that yes. scene. And she shows him that vision of him as an old man mm-hmm. leaving the castle. I love that. She is yeah. so confident in her plan mm-hmm. that she just spoils it for him. Mm-hmm. It's like, which is her downfall, unfortunately. But like, man. The years roll by. But a hundred years to a steadfast heart are but a day. And now the gates of the dungeon part and our prince is free to go his way. Off he rides on his noble steed, a valiant figure, straight and tall, to wake his love with love's first kiss and prove that true love conquers all. (laughs) That's power. Yeah. That's confidence. At least go out as a 40-foot dragon, you know? Mm. Moral of the story. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's wrap let's wrap that up. Okay, <laughs> that was uh, that was Sleeping Beauty, Maleficent. Maleficent. Um, we are gonna go to a quick commercial and then we will wrap this up. Yep. Great, great podcast episode. Yeah, that was a fun movie. To Good discuss. job, us. That was the hunger. That was the hunger by Tony Scott. It has literally everything. It's got coffins. It's got black veils. It's got falling from heights. It's got Susan Sarandon's. She just got a bod. She's it's got she's slamming. She yeah, she is. Like, I've always known she's hot. Like she she's a hot old woman. She was a hot young woman too. Yeah, this movie like gets that she's hot this guy yeah this and Catherine Deneuve it's got Catherine Deneuve yeah she's given it's got John she's she's a Catherine John 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 I can't John I can't I can't uh yeah Catherine Deneuve's given like big widow milf vibes mm-hmm. uh, that's right it's got um uh, it's got child murder, plague monkeys, plague monkeys. It's got gerontology, rapidly aging. It's got, it's got rapid aging. Yeah. Bauhaus. Uh, it's got vampires. Yeah, although we never call them that. Yeah, they got for, maybe they, they've got eternal creatures. It's got eternal creatures right. that live forever, and it's got ooky, spooky scariness. Yeah, ooky, spooky. This thing's got really cool, spicy. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, I've can you, that can, I know. Can you can you tell Kevin just saw that Celine Dion off-Broadway show? Titanic. Titanic. I do want to see that. I haven't seen that. Anyway, great movie. Check it out. When you go watch this movie, also give us a follow on Instagram. We are Cinema Very Gay. Mm-hmm. Also on Twitter. 
reach out if you have any suggestions of shows yeah. or if any movies you want us to talk about where or, i mean we have a giant master list of movies that we can talk about but, but there's no way it's exhaustive yeah also if people don't give suggestions we're going to just go through the entire rainer Werner fassbender oeuvre so that's a that'll, threat that'll show you yeah <laughs> <laughs> anyway welcome to spooky season spooky spooky spooky, spooky. okay We'll be back. We'll be back for more Halloween content in two weeks. Toodles. Bye.